The reading is taken from Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23, the supremacy of Christ. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and your enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation if you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved, by, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and, I, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, this morning I want to start with a question and a very big question. A question about life, a question about meaning and purpose. Possibly the biggest question of all. If someone asked you, what is life about? What is the meaning of life? I wonder, what would you say? What would you say? Perhaps it's a friend, a colleague, or a neighbor. They've, you know, picked up on the fact that you're a Christian, you've got faith, and they say to you, you know, what's life all about? How do you understand? What is the meaning of life? So I've asked the question, so what I'd like you to do is just to turn to those around you, and we're just going to have a minute or so just to chat on that question. What would you say to someone about the meaning of life, the purpose of life, what answer would you give in a, a sentence or two? So off you go, have a chat to those around you, and I'll gather us back together in a few moments. Okay, let's, uh, let's draw back together. Let's gather back together again. So I'm making you work this morning. I'm only giving you a minute to answer the question, what's the meaning of life? Well, what does our culture say is the meaning of life? Well, here's um, a few quotes from a few famous people. So Douglas Adams, who wrote The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, a, a sort of satirical science fiction story, says this, the ultimate answer to life, the universe, and everything is 42. It's a number. <laughs> Yuval Noah Harari, in his book Sapiens, A Brief History of Humankind, wrote this, as far as we can tell from a purely scientific viewpoint, human life has absolutely no meaning. Humans are the outcome of blind evolutionary processes that operate without goal or purpose. Any meaning that people inscribe to their lives is just a delusion. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yes, Arnie. I won't do the accent, but he said, The meaning of life is not simply to exist, to survive, but to move ahead, to go up, to achieve, to conquer. Leo Tolstoy said, 
the sole meaning of life is to serve humanity. Thomas Merton, love is our true destiny. We do not find the meaning of life by ourselves alone. We find it with another. And the Dalai Lama said, the purpose of life is to be happy. I wonder what you said this morning as you just began to answer that question or explore that question rather. Perhaps your answer included some reference to God's. For a Christian, life has meaning and purpose in reference to God's, and particularly in reference to Jesus Christ. Now, I've called this series on Colossians, Christ Our Life, because the Apostle Paul is writing to the Colossians to remind them and to encourage them that Christ is their life, that it's all about Jesus. He's the meaning and the purpose of this new life that they've received. And so last time, last week, we looked at the first part of chapter one where Paul is overflowing with thankfulness. He's just so thankful that the Colossians have received the gospel. They've received the good news. And it's kind of like a seed. They received the gospel seed and it's starting to grow and germinate and produce faith and love. And then we saw how Paul was praying for the Colossians to have the Holy Spirit to rain down and water that seed so that they may grow in their life in Christ, that they may live a life worthy of the Lord, that they may live their best life through the work of the Spirit in them. Today's reading, which we've just heard, kind of just flows on from that. Paul's so excited that the Colossians have been rescued from the dominion of darkness and brought into the new life of the kingdom of God. He's so excited, it's like he just bursts into song. And this portion of scripture we have this morning, it is a wonderfully rich portion of scripture. It declares it's all about him. It's all about him. Christ is our life. Verses 15 to 20, as we heard those read, or as you read them in the Bible, you'll see that it's written and structured like a song or a poem. So indeed, Paul is, as it were, just bursting into song about Jesus Christ. He begins, verse 15, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. You know, some people, they say, don't they, I'll I'll believe in God if I can see him. Show me God, then I'll believe. Well, the scripture says that if we look into the face of Christ, we see the face of God. If you want to know what God is like, look at the person of Jesus. It's all about Jesus. In him we find meaning and purpose. And he as this scripture says, is supreme over all. Now, when I was reading this passage earlier in the week and praying about it, as I was praying, I had a picture in my mind's eye. And the picture was of seeing a landscape. And on the landscape, it was kind of like on the horizon, were lots of buildings. And over these buildings were these huge arms of Jesus outstretched over them, kind of like a rainbow over, over a, a landscape. The arms of Jesus covering these buildings. 
And as I was praying, I had a real sense that these buildings represented our lives and the things in our lives. And if Christ is our life, then we have this reality that Jesus is supreme over all these things, our lives and everything in them. Now, in this song or hymn of verses 15 to 20, it declares some amazing truths about Christ that give us meaning and purpose in our lives. And this morning, I want us to think about these these truths under the banner that Christ is our life. And so this morning, when you came in, hopefully you were given a... Last week, it was a a bookmark. This week, it's a postcard. Um, I'm not going to guarantee you're going to get a little freebie every Sunday, but there you go. And on the postcard, you'll see on on one side, um, there's a picture. And I've tried to just kind of visually represent that that prayer I was just talking about, or what I saw as I prayed. So you can see there's a a rainbow over the buildings on the picture, and behind it, the outstretched arms of Jesus. And on this rainbow, there's six colours. And so I want to just each colour of the rainbow to represent six truths that there are in this passage we've just heard. And the truths are these, that Christ is the agent of creation, he's the object of creation, he's the sustainer of creation, he's the head of the church, he's the beginning of the new creation, and he's the reconciler of all creation. And I've put them on the back of the card because that's quite a lot to remember. But what I want to do this morning is think, what does it mean for us to live under those realities? to live under the banner of those six truths which we read about in Colossians. Now, if you flick back to the picture, you'll see that on the landscape there is a a house with a question mark in it. Okay? And this is a question only you can answer. The question is this. As we explore these truths about Christ, what is going on in your life that you need to bring under the banner of this truth? What's going on in your life at the moment that you need to bring under this truth that Christ is our life? Okay, so we're going to go through these six truths, like a banner over our lives. And I'm going to have to go through them quite quick because there's six of them. And each of these, you could probably have a whole sermon on them each because they're just wonderful truths. But first up, first banner... He is the agent of creation. Verse 16. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him. What's it saying? Well, it's saying that the whole created order in time and space owes its existence to Christ. He is the agent of creation. Now this is mind-boggling stuff, just to get your head around that concept, if even we can. But it means this, whether it's things on earth, in the physical realm which we can see, or in the heavenlies, in the spiritual realm which we can't see, it's all been made through Christ. He's the agent of creation. Without Christ, 
it would have no meaning. It would just exist. But with Christ as the agent of creation, it means there's meaning to creation. There is meaning to creation. It means we are the work of his hands. It means I'm not an accident. I'm not here by chance. I don't just exist. My life is not meaningless nor pointless. I am the work of his hands. He's the agent of creation. I wonder, do you need to hear that truth this morning? That you are the work of his hands. That Christ is the agent of creation. Maybe you've come to church this morning and you've been feeling a bit, a bit lost in life, a bit hopeless. You've been thinking, what's the point? What is the point of all this? You know, I'm sure we all face that question at various times in our lives. If that's you this morning, then maybe you need to come under this banner that he's the agent of creation. It's all about him. He's the agent of creation. Number two, he is the object of creation. Verse 16, all things have been created through him and for him. Through him and for him. It's all for him. Everything exists for Christ. He's the object of creation. Earlier in verse 15, it says that Christ is the firstborn over all creation. Now that may, at first reading, sound like Christ has been created, the firstborn. It doesn't mean that at all. But in Bible times, firstborn meant the one who gets the inheritance. If you were the firstborn child in the family, you were the heir, you would get the inheritance. And so in this context, it means Christ is the heir. He's the heir of all things. It all belongs to him. Everything created is his inheritance. And that includes you and me. Isn't that a wonderful truth? I was thinking about, you know, well, what does this mean? What does this mean for me, for my life? And I thought, you know what? It means I don't want Jesus in my life. I don't want Jesus in my life. Because if Jesus being in my life is like my life, say, being a, a house or a home, having Jesus in a little room in the house, which is my life, then I don't want Jesus in my life. I want Jesus over my life. I want Jesus over every aspect of my life. If I have been created for him, then I want him over all of my life. Over my home life, over my marriage, over my family life, over my working life, over my resting, over it all. I wonder, have you lost sight of Jesus in your life and over your life? Is he just occupying a small little room in your life rather than being over it all? Do you need to declare again afresh this morning that he is the object of creation, that he's the Lord of your life, of your whole life? So it's all about him. He's the agent of creation. He's the object of creation. Number three, he's the sustainer of creation. Verse 17, he's before all things and in him all things hold together. In him all things 
hold together. Now, when I was at primary school, we uh, used to sing the song, He's got the whole world in his hands. I'm sure many here would have also sung that song. And today it does sound a little bit cheesy, and sometimes it can kind of come across sounding a little bit twee. He's got the whole world in his hands. Yet the reality, what we see in this scripture, is that it's true. It speaks of a reality. He's holding all things together. He's not only got the whole world in his hands, he's got the whole universe, he's got the, the heavenlies in his hands. He's holding it all together. Now, at the moment, we're, we're seeing, you know, in the news uh, that climate change is a massive issue, and it's a really important issue. And I think globally, we're waking up to where we've been poor stewards of the creation, and we're starting to think about how we can respond and be better stewards of the world we've been given. And it's a really important issue. It's important for us as Christians to engage with this issue as we witness. But it's important also to hear this word, this word that Christ is above all things. He's the sustainer of all things. And in, even in a world where it feels like it's falling apart, Christ keeps the world spinning. I need to know that truth, do you? That he's the sustainer of creation. How might that apply to us this morning? Well, hear these words. He's got this. He's got this. Maybe Christ is saying that to you this morning. He's got this. Because if he can sustain all creation, if he can keep the world spinning, then whatever fears, worries, or anxieties you have, however real they may be, maybe you need to hear the word of Christ saying, I've got this. I've got this. I'm holding all things together. I can hold what you've got as well. I've got this too. So he's the agent of creation, the object of creation, the sustainer of creation. We're halfway there, okay? Number four, he's the head of the church. We move now from the created order to the new creation. And number four, he's the head of the church. Verse 18, the first half of verse 18. And he is the head of the body, the church. Who's the head of the church? Well, in the Church of England, it's uh, the Queen, with the Church of England being the sort of the state church. The Queen is technically the head of the church. For the Anglican Communion, it's led by the Archbishop of Canterbury. And for the local church, it's led by the, the vicar or the incumbent. But the reality is, is that it is Christ who is the head of the church. It's his church. He is the head of this worldwide universal church. The church is not a, a building, it's not an institution. The church is the, the new people of God, this new humanity of which Christ is the head. And as in human anatomy, um, a head is vital for a body to exist and function. Christ cannot be separated from his body, his people. You can't have a church without Christ. He's the head. He leads us. He's the one whose authority we come under. So what does this mean for us? Well, it means we can't go it alone. We can't go it alone. 
I don't know about you, I've heard several times people say, you know, I've got God, I've got faith, but I don't need the church. I don't need to go to church to believe. I believe. But it's a fallacy. It doesn't make sense. You do need church because it's Christ's body and he is the head. So to connect with the head and to be led by him, we need to be part of the body. I wonder if you felt a bit disconnected, dismembered even, if I can use that term, disconnected from the body of believers. Well, reconnect. And let's help those who aren't here this morning to reconnect, because we are the body, and in being the body, we connect with the head. So it's all about him, agent of creation, object of creation, sustainer of creation, head of the church. Number five, he's the beginning of the new creation. Verse 18, second half. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Firstborn from among the dead. The new creation begins or began when Christ was raised from the dead. And if Christ isn't raised, Christianity is meaningless. If there was no resurrection, we wouldn't be here this morning. We wouldn't be church. But the reality is that Christ has defeated death. He's the firstborn from among the dead. And as he has been raised, we have this hope. Remember from last week, not wishful thinking, but sure and certain hope that we too will be raised as Christ has been raised. So it means, as in that great hymn in Christ alone, there's no fear in life, no fear in death. Here in the power of Christ, we stand. I wonder, perhaps, maybe for some of this this morning, we've been struggling recently with either the fear of death, or perhaps losing a loved one, or struggling with bereavement. And we need to hear this truth, that Christ is the firstborn from among the dead. He's the beginning of the new creation, raised to life. So he's the agent of creation, the object of creation, the sustainer of creation, the head of the church, the beginning of the new creation, and finally, he is the reconciler of all creation. He's the reconciler of all creation. This is the big one. This is the one where the gospel comes into sharper focus. Verse 19. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. It means Jesus wasn't a bit like God or a bit God. He was fully God when he walked this earth. Jesus is fully God. He's not lacking in any way. He's supremely God and he's sufficiently our saviour. Verse 20, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. What does this mean? It means we need reconciling. We need reconciling. One of the commentaries I read said this, 
The need for reconciliation between God and his creation implies an already existing state of strife and disharmony. A gigantic rupture has taken place, dislocating the relationship between God and humanity, throwing into disarray the whole created order. The world knows no settled peace. The world knows no settled peace. Apart from Christ, we have no peace with God. We haven't got time to look at all of that passage which was read to us, but as you read on, it says, once you were his enemies because of your evil behavior, once you were God's enemies, once you set your face against God, whether you realized it or not. And there's nothing we can do about it, nothing we can do to mend this gap, nothing we can do to bridge this gulf or to fix this problem. But the scripture tells us, thanks be to God, that reconciliation is a work of God's and that it's been accomplished completely and achieved on the cross. There's nothing or no one that can't be reconciled to God through his work on the cross. It doesn't mean all will be saved but it means that Christ's work on the cross is sufficient. As we sang in that hymn earlier, the vilest offender a pardon from Jesus receives. So how does this apply to us? Well, it means we're at peace with God. We might not always feel that, but we need to know that. If we're in Christ, if we believe in him, if we love the Lord, then we are at peace with God. Not because we've done it, but because he has on the cross. And if we're at peace with God, then there's no guilt, there's no shame. We're no longer his enemies or his friends. More than that, we're his family. We're at peace with God. I want you just to turn again to that picture on the postcard and just look at the the house under the arms of Jesus and that banner, the house with a question mark. And just want to ask that question again. What's going on in your life today? What do you need to bring under the banner of this truth that Christ is your life? Which of these truths is pertinent to you this morning? might be just one of these six that resonates with you. He's the agent of creation with the work of his hands. He's the object of creation. All this is for him. He's the sustainer of creation. He's got this. He's holding things. He's the head of the church. So we've got to reconnect, be part of the body. He's the beginning of the new creation So death has been defeated. Hallelujah. He's the reconciler of all creation. We have peace with God. I wonder which of those resonates with you this morning as you reflect on your own life. I just want to finish this talk by just kind of landing it with a a practical example from my own life. Um, Just to, I think that's the best way, just to give an example. So, What's the question mark in in our house, in our household at the moment? Well, for me and Amy, we're at that stage of life where our eldest is 
next year going to be going off to secondary school. So we've got the kind of parental angst of secondary schools and, and all of that that goes with it. And um, of course, you know, if you've, if you've been through that before, then you'll know perhaps some of the worry associated with it and the decision making, wanting what's best for your offspring. And last week, myself and Amy were just sat at the kitchen table talking about it. And then after quite a while, we thought, you know what, we should pray about this. And we just turned it to the Lord in prayer and declared these things over that situation and our questions. Declared that Jesus is above all things. He's supreme over LEAs, local education authorities. He's supreme over all. He's supreme over our lives. And just as we prayed about that and got that perspective, that Christ is our life perspective, we're reminded of God's faithfulness to us in the past in providing for us, particularly with primary schools. And it was just bringing to God those real-life issues, bringing to him under that banner, Christ is our life. And we both had a real sense of God guiding us and his hand over this situation as we prayed. Okay, it's just a little example, just one from my own life. And there's bigger things in life, I know that. But what is it in your life this morning, that you need just to bring under that banner, that liberating banner, that Christ is our life. So to sum up, we discover meaning and purpose in our lives as Christians when we live under the banner that Christ is our life. He is the agent of creation. He's the object of creation. He's the sustainer of creation He's the head of the church. He's the beginning of the new creation. And he's the reconciler of all creation. So what do you need to bring under that banner that Christ is our life today? Amen.